Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Buy a Business Near Me, brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, helping business brokers sell more local businesses. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Buy a Business Near Me. Stone Payton here with you this morning, and you guys are in for a real treat. Please join me in welcoming to the program with the Veld Group, Mr. Ryan Clark. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Stone. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're delighted to have you on the show. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. This is a, a new series on the Business Radio X network, and I can't think of a better way to kick it off than to have you come visit with us. Um, before we dive in um, too deep, can you give us just kind of a uh, a primer, just a, a little bit of a background, mission, purpose? What are you and your team really out there trying to do for folks? Well, you know, for the last, say, 21 years, we've been, uh, you know, listing, selling and marketing companies on a very high level, um, you know, honoring our clients, uh, you know, finding value wherever we can find value for them, and then really managing the process, facilitating the sale, you know, sort of being their kind of their guiding presence and, you know, working with other professionals along with ourselves, uh, you know, their other advisors, but really managing uh, the human component of the transaction from beginning to end. So actually, that's one of the very first questions I have. I own 40% of, um, you know, we've got a pretty good thing going here. Uh, and, and we don't have our exit strategy completely nailed down. But I, but I got to tell you, one of the things that, that, that Lee and I have surely absolutely zero clue about is how do you go about valuing your business as you begin to prepare um, for, for an exit? No, absolutely. It's a great question. You know, we started out our firm, uh, we began as a, as a uh, certified valuation firm before we got into brokerage and M&A. Yeah. So our background is valuation. You know, I, I would like to tell you that, you know, valuation, you can open up a book and figure out how to value a company, but it's definitely part art and part science. Um, in the end, in most cases, it boils down to ultimately what is somebody willing to pay? And not every <laughs> not everybody values the same uh, you know business the same way, depending on if it's a, a strategic buyer or somebody who's a little bit um, they're doing an acquisition for other purposes or someone who just wants to buy your company and add on to their portfolio. But in the end, it comes down to you know, some basic principles. You know, there's various valuation methodologies, uh, but ultimately it comes down to, uh, you know, profitability and risk. Those are the two where they really meet. And so, so how risky is this cash flow or this profitability is coming from this company? Uh, risk can be, assessed, you know, using multiple variables uh, when it comes to risk, um, you know, just company infrastructure, uh, assets, uh, you know, contracts, just really the stability of that cash flow or the revenue that company's generating. So there's all sorts of things we look at risk, you know, age of equipment, uh, customer concentration, which could be could be negative, positive in some cases where maybe hmm. uh, all your customers are coming from one source, the strength of your supply chain. You know, all these different variables, you, you, you kind of evaluate all of them. And then uh, you, you sort of put a kind of a value overall or a range of value ultimately 
in that company. Uh, you know, how involved is Stone and Lee in the operation? Can anything mm. revolve without Stone and Lee? Can they take a vacation? Or if they're not there, the whole thing crumbles to the ground. I mean, that's a huge risk factor associated with an acquisition, uh, the independence yeah. or the autonomy of a certain company. Well, I, I'm glad I asked, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because I got to believe many of our listeners – Gang, that, that's one of the things you got to think about. If, if you're serious about an exit and you want to get your organization ready to sell, it, it can't be dependent on you, <laughs> right? Uh, well, it depends on the size of the company. You're right, though, for sure. I, I will tell you, you know, most companies in the range that we deal with, um, you know, first thing we do when we're beginning the exit planning process for our clients, it might be, you know, six months before the exit. It might be three, four years before they plan on the exit. But it's really creating an a situation where key employees and um, people besides the ownership, um, you know, they're really empowered to perform certain tasks that are going to be valuable in an acquisition uh, for a potential buyer. Because that's what buyers are looking at, depending on the size of the, the acquisition, whether you're you know, larger, more institutional buyers or private equity, they're going to want people there remaining. They're buying a lot of that human capital and they want them to remain and the company to be able to, to carry on without the ownership. Now, have you found in your experience that the the equation is a little different for some industries versus others, or is it just really incredibly individual case scenario? Well, absolutely. Both those things are true, right? So it really is going to come down to the individual company. I mean, you could have two two businesses in the same industry that will trade at completely different multiples, right? So it's not really Hmm. industry specific. Um, You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's kind of where the uh, you know the risk uh, you know meets the uh, the other variables of the business. How risky is this company that I'm taking on? Uh, a very low risk business with say government contracts and all sorts of stability might trade at a higher multiple than a company who has much more volatility with it, where the expectations are going to be uh, you know very different from the person doing the acquisition. They want to get their money back and return on their investment much sooner. Um, and, and somebody who understands that stability and willing to wait it out for maybe five, seven, ten years possibly. Yeah. So I got to know, man, what's the backstory? How did you get uh, involved in this line of work? Yeah, you know, it's everybody has a story. I started out, you know, after school in uh, financial planning, financial sales, setting up 401ks, selling insurance products, things like that. I've always been pretty good uh, dealing with people, communicating, sending my message. And uh, one of my associates, Michael, founder of the company, he had got back from uh, uh, you know, getting his MBA at Michigan and said, you know, let's build a company. Let's do something for us. We all had various backgrounds, whether it's CPA, MBA, valuation, sales. Um, and we decided to build a firm. We started out, uh, the main focus was helping the small to lower middle market business owner uh, you know, value the companies correctly, then eventually exit. So it was really about finding our purpose and where, where could we be the most value? That's why we've kind of carved out a segment in the, in the size of transactions that we do. That's a little bit uh, unique, uh, too big for the typical business broker, maybe too small for traditional M&A, hmm. where we're really adding value to the, to the business owner, the mom and pop, people with blood, sweat and tears, 20, 30 years, built a company and now they want to exit gracefully. Um, so that was really our, our, our driving force was how can we best serve and how can we best help you know, help the small business owner, and we found a nice niche. It, it must be incredibly rewarding work, man. You you must really enjoy it. Yeah, it is. You know what? It's 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 a little bit of. Um, it's obviously not. You know, 
It's not for the weak. I'm going to be honest. Selling <laughs> companies, right? Setting realistic expectations for all sides, you know, managing human mm. beings through a very long emotional process, you know, deal structure, making everybody happy, getting everybody to understand perspective. Not, not the easiest thing to accomplish. I will tell you that. However, when you take a business owner who's built a company, uh, you know, long term, 20, 30 years, not everyone is like this. Some are just, they've owned it for six months, but ultimately, you know, they want to exit. But when you take, especially that family, um, that person who's put their, their life on the line, uh, long weekends, not traveling, doing all the things to, to, to build a business and grind it out, to be able to, to develop a plan to allow them to exit on their own terms, it is a pretty magical thing. And then on the other side, you know, depending on the buyer, if you have a larger institutional buyer, it's a little bit different. But if you have, let's say somebody's getting out of the corporate world, right, high net worth individual who wants to buy a company cash flowing a million, two million dollars, um, which is pretty common out here in Southern California, getting them to transition and allowing that transition from that more structured corporate space into a small business mm-hmm. and accomplish their dream, seeing what they're made of. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty magical thing on both sides. And we're the facilitator of that, right? We're guiding people through these processes. We are their psychologists, we're their educator, <laughs> we're their advisor, we're all the above, right? Talking them on and off the ledge at every turn. Um, but that's part of, you know, our skill set. And that's the skill set that you've been able to create through time. I love it. Yeah, it, it just occurred to me while you were talking. And, and I'm applying a lot of it to me and Lee, right? It, you might have to be, you know, part therapist, you know, because Lee and I are, are on the same page on a lot. But when it gets, to, when it comes down to this, we may have some very, you know, we're just like a married couple, right? We're, we're, we got this oh, business marriage. Absolutely. You know, my, my goal is always to create an atmosphere where all sides work together, right? Try to find a yeah. place where everybody's happy. Um, that's not easy, right? To find that, that happy space uh, for all. And through doing that, you know, you have to understand different people, different cultures, where people come from, mm. uh, personality types, um, and navigating through that. And that's really, I would say, if there's any skill set you develop over a 20-year career doing a thousand plus transactions, through all that experience, it, it really is understanding how to, to, to help people manage themselves and manage their own emotions, right? Um, yeah. Most transactions will fall apart uh, 5, 10, 20 times through <laughs> the, the, you know, the 8.2 months it takes to actually sell a company, right? Even when you're under contract, the deal will fall apart because people will draw a line in the sand. And that is just kind of human nature. Everybody has their limits. And so being able to getting the other side to really understand the other person's perspective um, and why they feel that way. It takes, you know, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of work, you know, having to stand up to your clients, having to do what's right for them, even when maybe uh, through lack of experience, intuitively, they don't really feel like it's right for them. So you have to show them the path and show them the way. And that's why they're engaging us. That's why they're bringing us on in the first place. Okay, let's talk about me some more. It's one of my favorite topics, uh, and it's my show, right? No, I, no, I'm, I'm applying all this to to me and Lee, and, and I, we're. I think our value system, we're transparent. Our our work practices are very transparent. And I gotta say, I don't know that I would want the market to know that we're that that we're on the market. Can can you do this with some degree of confidentiality, at least in the early stages? A hundred percent. Um, So here's what I will tell you. Uh, Almost every business transaction is extremely confidential. The last thing we want uh, 
you know, is the, the word getting out on the street that this company's for sale for whatever reason, for staff, for customers, for suppliers, for vendors. I mean, yeah. it's definitely something that you do not want to, to be known. So um, most transactions are highly confidential all the way through to the very end. Some uh, potentially could get exposed. You, you kind of have a game plan in place for that. But, you know, the process is pretty is very formal. You know, a typical buyer will reach out to us through one of our various mediums, be funneled to our company. They will complete a three-page non-disclosure form, confidentiality agreement, and a full financial profile. So now we know who the buyer is, what they do for a living, what they're looking for, interests they have, and the types of businesses looking to inquire. And then at that point, we'll send them out the full comprehensive overview of the company, right? That gives all the granular detail that they're looking for in an acquisition. But at first, they're seeing a generic kind of teaser out there in the open market that doesn't really give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a radio station, it might say West Coast-based radio station, over 20 markets, you know, nothing specific. It could be a lot of different companies that fit that profile. And then I will say, you know, once they sign the NDA and they get through that process, the majority of buyers, they're, they're very respectful of the business owner. Most of them own companies. They understand what it's like. They yeah. don't want the word to get out, especially if there's a serious uh, acquisition candidate. The last thing they want to do is devalue the company by doing that hmm. and, let, and let somebody else know that is possibly for sale and get cut out from underneath them. So uh, confidentiality is sort of part of the process. Uh, We make sure people understand the reasons why we keep it confidential. And it's written in every email, every correspondence, every disclaimer is that this information we're providing is for you and not to be shared with anybody else. So you've mentioned a couple of times, 20 plus years doing this. Have you had an opportunity along the way to, um, to have the benefit of some mentors, a mentor or two, and have you now that you uh, have you know this experience base, have you taken the opportunity to 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 mentor anyone else? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say um, you know a lot of my mentors over the years have been you know not really direct mentors, right? Just through some of my training growing up, uh, just you know experience being an athlete, coaches, I would say, and then early on in my career studying a lot, you know, dealing, you know, for instance, someone like, say, Tom Hopkins, who's a, a sales guru, right? Yeah, learning yeah. learning lessons from Hopkins, getting having the pleasure to play golf with him when I was young in my early 20s, oh, cool. uh, reading his books, and kind of taking a lot of that philosophy. So as far as direct mentors, you know, it's just really interesting. When we got started in this business, you know, we, we were young. We were in our late 20s, about to be early 30s, and we didn't know a whole lot. And And I will tell you through you know, just really grinding through transactions and learning on the fly, it really helped us develop a system that we were able to perfect. It didn't take a lot of outside influence, to be honest, to, um, you know, to really incorporate into the way we do things. Now, we did here and there, but there was really nobody directly that would say older than us, more mature, that just took under took us under our wing. Mm-hmm. And we learned. That. Now, on the flip side, yes, I mean, take a lot of pleasure in, in teaching people, giving away a lot of information. Uh, coaching people uh, within some of my uh, you know, advisory groups that I'm part of, uh, you know, when you, when you sort of, you know, when you're really engaged in an industry and you sort of, and you kind of know your place in that industry, I think it becomes more common that you're willing to share a lot of insights, and a lot of information on what you're trying to get done and how yeah. you can help people. Because ultimately that's the goal, right? Is to help people through uh, these situations that they're in. And do it the best way possible. So I do give a lot of advice to a lot of attorneys, a lot of accountants, a lot of deal makers. Um, you know, because ultimately they want to know 
from a, a real hands-on experience standpoint, how should this transaction go? And they're maybe looking at it a little bit more compartmentalized rather than looking at it holistically from a, an entire transaction standpoint. You know, we have to be mm. in tune to a lot of the parts of the deal from the legal side, from the accounting side, while we're not giving legal advice or we're not CPAs, uh, just being aware of the various types of methodologies that people can use and the right kinds of advisors to, to refer them to. So I, I know in our work, uh, there are a handful of, what would you call them, misconceptions, preconceived notions, assumptions. Um, you know, I, I feel like we approach our whole um, uh, strategy toward leveraging media to help people and make money a little different. And so I, I know I can almost anticipate I'm going to run into a handful of some of the same misconceptions, preconceived notions. Are there sure. some misconceptions, some common misconceptions about about your industry or, or your business? Um, you mean just in general from a, I would say from an intermediary standpoint, yeah. um, there's probably going to always be some, right? Because of, you know, the, I guess, misunderstanding the value that we're bringing to the table, right? Ultimately, mm. um, you know, when we're being brought in on a referral basis from whether it's a wealth manager, um, you know, financial advisor, you know, Ultimately, everybody's waiting for this event. And the event typically comes when we bring the buyer to the table and close the transaction. That's when this liquidity event or this major event happens for a lot of different people. So I would say the value of a good intermediary, it's it's the glue that holds a transaction together. It's the one yeah. who's going to kind of guide all sides through this process. Now, yes, can somebody get into this business without a lot of experience and really not have that volume and stay there? I'm an intermediary. I'm a broker. I'm an M&A <laughs> expert. Of course, they can do that, right? <laughs> right. But, but to be a seasoned one who's made it through, you know, all of the the battles that this is a you know a tough business to get through. Once you've done it for a long period of time, you sold maybe fifty to hundred companies, and you've been through some of these battles. You definitely have a perspective that is going to be very unique and very different. Now, as far as misconceptions go, on the Buy and the sell side, absolutely. There's dozens of them, right? The sellers always, well, not always, but will typically want more money than <laughs> the company's worth. It's their and the baby, buyer right? Want to, and the buyer doesn't want to pay as much money as the business is worth. Um, the buyer wants to get it with no money down and seller finance. And the seller wants all cash, right? There's all sorts right. of like variables where you have to bring people together and set, you know, realistic expectations. I would say. Um, you know, that's sort of a, a misconception or not getting people who maybe have read a book or two on how to buy a company mm. to understand, you know, that's maybe not necessarily how you buy a business or what you're going to be left with with that type of a business isn't going to be the kind of business that you want to buy. So if you want, if you want to buy a good business, there's going to be general rules and principles and the way you got to go about yourself and how you have to handle yourself. Um, what, one thing I will tell I, most buyers who come to us always share a lot of information, you know, tell us who you are, where you're getting mm. your money from, what you can afford. Um, give us a snapshot, an accurate snapshot as to who you are. And then we're going to be better help uh, serving you, guiding you in the right direction, and really giving you these opportunities that may or may you may or may not have access to on the open market. Transactions and listings that just come in or an opportunity that we're working on. It's all interaction, right? It's developing a relationship or in a relationship business with buyers and sellers and other advisors in our industry. So, um, you know, ultimately it's about being transparent and being straightforward and honest. Uh, that's the way you're going to get it. You know, that's the way you're going to get what you want. If you're a buyer developing that relationship, I, 
really common conversation I have with buyers, whether it's dealing with myself or my company or anybody else. Find people who sell companies like that you that you want to buy and develop a good long-term relationship with them. Mm. And get them to understand you're an easy person to work with, you're flexible, you're liquid, you know, what you can spend. And once an intermediary understands that part of the uh, you know, equation, then they can help guide you through it. If you're going to be secretive and not tell them who you are, where you're money from, and just, you know, kind of demand information, you're not going to get very far in this business. So really having that openness um, is really the key, I would say, working with buyers. Well, as you were talking, two things. One, I think you, you painted, at least for me, the absolute perfect picture that brings it into focus for why it is so important to have someone like you with the specialized knowledge, with the experience base, the expertise uh, to facilitate uh, that uh, what uh, can be, I guess, a pretty uh, sometimes a pretty big gap in the beginning. The other thing that's beginning to dawn on me a little bit this whole world, when it's done right, is 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 much more relationship oriented, relationship dependent than transactional. Than I guess I was anticipating. Is that accurate? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it really is. In the first the first comment, yes, I've mentioned the word perspective a few times, and I yeah. think you gain you gain perspective through wisdom. You gain wisdom through experience. So I think that. As you have perspective and you can share that with people, that's what keeps people in, on track, right? That's what keeps the buyer and seller moving towards the ultimate goal because you can share, you know, real true life perspective as what will happen or what could possibly happen um, if they do go down a road that maybe they're thinking about going down. You know, and that's, <laughs> helped our, that's part of the success rate. That's how we sell 82% of our listings historically, our companies. Wow. And industry average is about, about 33%. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, that perspective is a huge part. Now, the second part to your question, I can't remember if you can refresh my memory on that one. Uh, well, just talk, just just relationship. It, this is a much Absolutely. more relationship oriented than transactional. I, I guess I had a frame around it that was much more transactional. No, I, I will share with you. So we you know, just recently, like we just uh, closed a uh, twenty-seven location fast casual franchise or represented the franchise, right? So. The, the franchisors, a brand that I've known, well known out here on the West Coast. Um, however, the seller of the franchisor came to me because I helped them do some acquisitions on a, another, another large chain down in San Diego a couple of years back, right? So I developed a relationship with them as a buyer, and then they came back through as a seller. Mm. That happens in reverse and backwards and forwards all day long, right? So there might be a company that we help build. You know, we help bring them from maybe one location to 35 locations. And then we're involved in the sale 14 years later. So it is definitely a long-term relationship, not one transaction at a time. You're always thinking big picture. And I think that's how we've survived really 20 years It's because that is our mentality and everybody knows it. So we're always thinking about down the road and doing the right thing because, you know, this is, this is your lifeblood. And from the seller side, you know, while we represent the seller exclusively in almost every situation, um, many of them are just one and done. You sell their company, they're retired, they're gone. Yeah. That, that buyer who we don't always represent becomes our seller down the road in the future and they become a buyer as well. So it's very important to uh, balance this and be very honest and transparent through our process uh, with the buyer and the seller, right? Just because we represent a seller doesn't mean we're going to go along with Maybe their antics one way or another, right? We're going to be <laughs> honest with them. We're going to be straight with them because we know that ultimately it's going to potentially kill their transaction. So we want to yeah. be 
very uh, you know straight about that with them and get them on the right track. And, and, and that's really where the tough work comes in, getting people to understand your perspective and your where you're coming from. It's kind of Dale Carnegie, maybe a mentor of mine, something I've learned from him. Like yeah. Getting people to understand where you're coming from is, an, is, is really uh, important and understanding where they're coming from as well. I got to say, 82 point something percent versus down in the 30s. That's what an impressive track record. And I think you've probably at least partially already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because it's um, so many of our listeners want to want to get some insight on this topic. And it's um, it's it's largely my role in, in my company. But I am curious, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a company like yours like i it seems like it would be a it seems like once you once you're in a conversation like this my guess is they sign <laughs> if they're anything. but like <laughs> like like that new business those those new relations how i mean can you advertise how does that happen yeah i would tell you you know it's interesting so obviously through um you know websites and when you have a lot of companies on the open market even confidentially through the various marketing mediums that you use to advertise your businesses, people see that, right? Uh, business owners see that they've acquired on businesses. And when you've been doing it for 20 years, a lot of them have come through our system. We get a lot of sellers who came through our system at some point to try to buy a company. They didn't buy something from us. Maybe they found something different. Maybe they moved hmm. on in a different direction, but then they did maybe acquire something and they remember us. They remembered the process they remembered the NDA, they remembered the being qualified, and they remember the level of information that our phenomenal marketing team gave them. Mm-hmm. And they said, wow, if I ever want to sell my company, I'm giving Veldicol. That's where I'm going to go with. I didn't really <laughs> right. care for the guy I bought the business through. I'm going to, I'm going to get through that. So back it up about the 80, yeah, when you talk about 82%, there's so many factors that go into what's going to give you a high closing ratio, right? Um, the relationship with the seller. I would say before we even get into the industry stone, it's about the relationship that you have with the business owner. Is this someone who we want to align ourselves with? Do they have the same, uh, you know, are our incentives aligned with them through this process? If they're just testing the waters, they're not serious about selling, or they're thinking, you know, their expectations are much higher than what we even think the market could eventually bear for them, it might not be worth it for us to engage them and to take them on, right? So yeah. we have as much of this decision-making at the beginning as they do obviously, right? We can choose if we want to engage them or not. So that's a big part of it. Um, you know, pricing the companies correctly. Another part of it, making sure they're valued the right way, making sure that ultimately they're sellable, listing the right types of businesses, and then qualifying buyers and really making them go through a process. And then once we get into an LOI or a contract phase, managing that process effectively, putting out fires, keeping plates spinning, you know, all the cliches you want to come up with, that's what gets you and translates ultimately what comes out of the end at an 82% closing ratio. It's not just a simple like, hey, you know, we got a lot of buyers coming in, so we're able to sell mm-hmm. a lot. Um, buyers know how to find us. We're not that difficult to find. It's about getting through a transaction is really where the magic happens. And that's really the value that a real experienced intermediary or broker or M&A advisor is going to really uh, you know, hold that value, uh, not just putting it on a bunch of websites and having people find you. So. Yeah, a lot, lot to it, you know, in, in that, in that, in that perspective, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Before we wrap, um, if you would, let's leave our our potential buyers and sellers out there, even people that are just beginning to think about this and want to learn more. Let's leave them with a couple of pro tips, just something they should be 
thinking about, reading, doing, not doing, just a little something they can sink their teeth into it, if you would? Absolutely. There's a few of them, right? Um, you know, typically when it comes to value, speak to a professional that sells companies once they start evaluating your company. Uh, don't necessarily just take the advice of some other advisor, or your Uncle Louie or somebody like that. He <laughs> says, oh, you probably did this for your company. Speak to someone who does it for a living and then start setting expectations based off of that. So that way you're going into this thing, you know, somewhat realistic, knowing that, okay, if I'm going to sell, this is really what it's for. But, you know, be open with uh, a professional, uh, you know, share financial data with them, uh, be very transparent. Uh, the things that keep you up at two o'clock in the morning that you're scared of, make sure they know about that as well. So that way they can find ways to mitigate that. But so these are sort of some very high level suggestions. But when you get in down to like maybe more of the meat and potatoes type stuff, organize your financials, you know, make sure you have uh, organized, you know, P&Ls, income statements, balance sheets, tax returns. Um, you know, that's sort of the financial component of it. Make sure you have your financials together because buyers are going to expect to see that. Um, then from an organizational standpoint, you know, when I mentioned the owner's role in the company, start empowering people maybe to take some of the mm. menial tasks that the owner does, preparing the company a little bit better for an acquisition. Um, you know, definitely a, a nice component. And then a third thing I'll say, concentration, depending on the industry, you know, you want to have diverse revenue streams. Sometimes, especially uh, small businesses, it's very difficult to not get stuck in a concentration concern where you're maybe making a product for a large company and you're sort of beholden to them becomes very easy to do that. Um, So it's not always a bad thing if their infrastructure is also also set up and they're very reliant on you. But I would say in general, you know, having a very diverse income stream where that way, maybe not one customer's 15, 20% of your revenue, you keep it down five, 10%, Hmm. spread it out. That's going to, you know, most buyers are going to look at that for an acquisition standpoint. Think it's going to be more diverse, a more stable, more steady revenue stream. So those are sort of some, you know, tips off the bat. It's really polishing it up, you know, making it a, a better company, a, a more uh, refined company before you take it to the open market. Because these are the things that the buyers are going to exploit very quickly. They're going to pick them apart, and they're going to look for you know real value um, in some of the nuance that's going to exist within your business. All right. Okay. So if, if uh, someone wants to, to reach out, have a conversation with you or someone on your team, let's leave them with some coordinates, whatever you think is appropriate, whether it's a, an email, a website, a, a LinkedIn, but I want them to be able to connect with you and, um, and open up a conversation if, if it makes sense. So uh, let's leave them with some, some points of contact if we could. Absolutely. I would say, you know, our website, we have multiple sites. We have our main street site, which is the com. More of the MA focused site where a lot of our energy goes is veldma.com. Uh, v is in Victor, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, D is in David, M is in Mary, A is in apple.com. Um, my personal email is ryan at veldma.com. Uh, our phone number here locally is area code 310 652 8353. 310 652 uh, we work with buyers in some cases in different parts of the country. Um, our focus is uh, California, San Francisco, down to San Diego, all through uh, this massive state. But uh, we do work on transactions in other states as well, depending on the licensing. Well, Ryan, it has been an 
absolute delight having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your your insight and your story. This has been informative, inspiring, and a a marvelous way to invest a a Thursday afternoon, man. (laughs) Thank you, Stone. I really appreciate your time as well and um, allowing me to share some experience with your with your audience and you know anywhere I can help somebody, feel free to reach out. Fantastic. If you would stay on the line, I'd like to chat with you for just a moment after, but uh, we're, we're going to tell these folks bye. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is Stone Payton for our guest today, Ryan Clark with the Veld Group and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Buy a Business Near Me.